Vem är du? Jag är döden. Kommer du för att hämta mig? Jag har redan länge gått vid din sida. I have so much to thank him for. I, I cannot tell. Years and years of work and and I would certainly not have been here today if I had not worked with him. Now the winner is to a glass darkly from Sweden. And in and through his vision, his films have influenced the whole world. First time I saw The Virgin Spring, I was 18, and I was perplexed, I was dumbfounded, I was electrified. We know how difficult it is to, to make pictures, to, to, to create. Ingmar Bergman never really improvises. He's very meticulous that you, every word should be letter perfect. I'm sorry that Ingmar is not here. I mean, Mr. Bergman. Du vill inte förlåta! Du vill inte förlåta! Men vi är helt färdig! Du vill inte förlåta! Du tycker inte att du vill! Jag ska inte! Jag ska Hi everybody, uh, this is a Filmotomy podcast, episode 35, and on this week's podcast we'll be discussing the greatest film director ever to grace the planet, Ingmar Bergman. And joining me today, a special sort of treat, we've got Aaron, so hi Aaron. Hi there everybody, yeah, thanks V. it's great nice to be here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks Robin. Oh, we're glad to have you on board. That's great. And uh, yes, uh, Robin is also here as well. I am indeed again for my sins. <laughs> <laughs> to many listeners, I, I would hope that they know who uh, Bergman is. I'm not so sure after doing my Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of maybe I, I was seeing your Twitter poll be, uh, and I, I think part of maybe what keeps people away from Bergman, there's this stigma. I think that I've found around him that his films are very heavy and, and difficult, and, um, and I think that keeps people from diving in. What I've found is that his films have a, a real passion behind them, and there's a lot of emotion in them. That Yes, they may deal with some heavy themes, but, but um, some of them are very accessible, and even the ones that aren't, even the ones that are you know, heavier um, thematically, there's so much emotion behind them that you can really dive into them. But I guess, you know, for anybody who, who isn't aware of who he is, um, Bergman kind of came, came into, you know, the, the worldwide consciousness in the fifties with a lot of his art house movies. And then from there, I mean, just made some of the most influential films, persona, the seventh seal. I mean, just these, these films that had, um, such a wide footprint on the directors that came after him. And, uh, you know, made over 60 films, um, just yeah. had an incredible career. Mm. So uh, he's certainly, I mean, I think if you're making a Mount Rushmore of, <laughs> of directors, it's like he's, he's on it. Mm. Yes, yeah, very impressive. Cinema, film, was to me an obsession. I don't know, I saw my first picture when I was six years old, and then I was completely lost. In some years, he was making two maybe even more films per year yeah it's it's incredible i mean you think that he made the seventh seal and wild strawberries in the same year i mean I, how did how do you even do that <laughs> i can't imagine that is ridiculous <laughs> yeah and they're both amazing great pieces of right. cinema uh right. I, I think as well for for people it's because of so many films to choose from where do you sort of start? Do you start at the very beginning? So with um, t- uh, Torment, 
um, you know, with the 1940s films, or do you sort of go through the IMDb uh, routes and and, mm. and go for the highest rated films, or do you just uh, all the films in a hat and then take a date, <laughs> do a lucky pick, and then <laughs> see what you get? It, it's 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 quite difficult. I think a lot, a lot of what repels what Aaron said about the sort of audience being repelled a little bit by him because he's dark. I think the judging by those who haven't seen any of his films will judge him by you know the the chess the chess mm-hmm. um, game. So like oh mm. he, oh he's just too weird. He's too out there. But his his films really are all like that. You know if you look at his earlier stuff, the late fifties, the, the stuff that I love in the early sixties. You know, they're very human dramas, you know, done in a really sort of authentic way. They're not all as weird as that, you know. Mm. Uh, I think people judge him by that, even though they've not seen these films. Yeah, yeah, so, I think know, it's... Missing out. Uh, as well, I think <laughs> because that scene has been parodied, obviously, yes. in <laughs> Bill and Ted, I think people don't, uh, don't really... <sighs> see the point of going back and revisiting it it's almost like oh if that's been parodied that must mean it's not very good or it's a bit of a joke or something but it's quite frustrating because a lot of people were were saying they've not watched a single film and i know people who are film students or you know who are bloggers or film reviewers and i would say that there are certain films that you have to watch yeah (laughs) but Yes, yeah, it was quite eye-opening for me um, doing my Bergman diary, uh, which, if anyone's following the the site, has be I've been sort of doing it throughout this uh, Bergman week. I must admit that as a film graduate, I only watched clips, you know, from. So I knew all about Bergman. I just never sat down and watched a, a film all the way through. And when Robin said that we were you know, going to do this sort of celebration for his birthday. Not not your birthday, Robin. Um, <laughs> for Bergman's uh, birthday. Uh, I thought it, this would be a, a chance to watch those films that I said I was always going to watch. But I thought I would also watch ones that just sort of, you know, reading the synopsis on, online took my fancy. And they've actually been quite interesting to, to, to watch films that I would normally be put off by yeah. but the very first film I decided to watch fully was Wild Strawberries yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Många glömmer en kvinna som har varit död i 30 år. Några vårdar en djur och allt mer bleknande bild. Men ni kan när som helst återkalla den här scenen i ett minne. Ingenomligt intressant. I would say to anyone listening who doesn't know how to get into Bergman, uh, that's the one I believe you should start with. I don't know whether you, you guys would agree with me. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of... I've found to be his more accessible ones. You know, it's it's maybe not as as difficult to watch, but it's still got a lot of the themes. You know, that he often deals with, and it's I mean, it's just a beautiful film. You know, too. It's just uh, I completely agree with that. Yep. 
yeah, the, I would say earlier the better as well. So you look at 57, is it 50? Yeah. Uh, even yeah. the Virgin Spring as well, which is sort of a bit more of an out there choice, but that's very sort of early Bergman as well, one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, some, I'm going to mention Summer with Monica eventually, but I think that was a bit more of a grounded film, but you saw visually what it was capable of. But obviously, Wild Strawberries was more getting towards what we know as, as Bergman today. Um, but yeah, Virgin Spring, Wild Strawberries. And correct me if I'm wrong, Summer with Monica, that was basically kind of what put him on the map, right? So you're kind of seeing the, the beginning of this genius, you know? Yeah, and it put her on the map as well, you know, so yeah. it, was, it was a big deal. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting how that film was sold to audiences in America because it was seen as this sort of sexually explicit film. And uh, I was watching the uh, Trespassing Bergman documentary. Mm. I believe it was Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford uh, Coppola who was saying like, the only reason they wanted to see the film was because all the boys were going to see it in the neighbourhood for a certain scene. And um, I think, no, it was Scorsese who said that he went down and it wasn't what he was expecting. He thought it was just going to be one of these naughty movies, but it turned out to be something even better. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. the, thing with, the thing with that film is, is that even now, if you look at the poster, or the, the most famous image, which, um, I forget which, there's a film with the posters on the wall, I can't remember which post film it is now, but the poster of her sort of, she looks like a 40s pin-up. And it just it tells you it basically tells you nothing about the film, you know, because you watch it and she is some she does take her clothes off at one point, but she's she, the character not such depth, you know, for a woman to have that much character at that time, was really something. And it's it's a film I've only seen recently for the first time, and I thought it was just brilliant. And it's something like Goddard's Contempt as well, which has got Bardot half naked on the front, and that's not about that either. So I think it's something with the, the posters then, you know that. And they still have those posters today, obviously. So people haven't seen Goddard and haven't seen Bergman and Antonioni and see these posters. They're going to be, oh, oh this looks raunchy. Um, no, I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid it, it's really not. You know? <laughs> but I think that's, so it's a, it's a bit misleading, even 60 years later, 70 mm. years later. I find um, I've watched most of his 50s stuff now uh, for my Bergman diary. Mm. Uh, and... I don't know. I'm a bit worried about going to the 70s and the 80s stuff because I I know that that, that wasn't really a very good period for for him. I actually haven't seen Fanny and Alexander yet. That's sort of the last of, of his major works that I need to dive into. So, But I have seen Cries and Whispers, and certainly that whole period, there was a lot of personal... He had, like I think, tax issues with the government of sweden that really i mean he basically went into retirement you know almost and it and it it really uh was, was a very hard time for him personally um and so i kind of wondered the same thing going into watching cries and whispers kind of like you know is it going to have an effect on on his filmmaking you know are these be different than those older movies that i love so much and at least with cries and whispers i found no, this is still the same Bergman. He's trying out some new things. Um, you know, it's still, it, you can still see his essence in it, but he's he's going in some different ways. Uh, and I think that's exciting. So, I, yeah, I would, 
I, I can't speak to Fanny and Alexander. I don't know, Robin, if you've seen that, but I love yeah. Cries and Whispers. <clears throat> um, yeah, Fanny, Fanny and Alexander's probably in the same caliber as Cries and Whispers, but because it was a, a TV thing as well, it, mm-hmm. it was like a, four, a massive version, and I think people are put off by that, but his filmography obviously kind of suggests that he wasn't doing very well, but like you say, he had a lot of personal stuff going on, and he kept making a comeback, you know. Autumn Sonata, even that was classed as a kind of comeback in the late 70s, like, oh, he's finished. Oh, no, he's not, he's, he's just made this amazing <laughs> with two of the greatest actresses ever. Vad väntade hon sig av ett återseende efter sju år? Vad väntade hon sig? Och vad väntade Eva sig? You know, he took to colour, from black and white to colour, he just flourished. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I have heard that that you know, because I was a bit worried. Would it would these films have the same sort of quality to them? There's something that I find oddly romantic about black and white film, and I've kind of got used to the way that a Bergman film looks in my mind. You know how it's shot, how it looks, the fact that it's in black and white, uh, and to go from that to go into color. It feels like a very strange transition for me. It's a shock at first. I felt that too. I mean, you see it in color, and you're like, "This isn't this isn't Bergman, right? This is the same that I'm used to." But I mean, it helps that Cries and Whispers is probably one of the best, you know, in terms of cinematography, one of the best films I've ever seen. I mean, that movie is shot so in the set decoration. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, so it helps the transition a lot for sure when you've got. That uh, that caliber of, of of technical you know achievement in the film and those women as well those women you know the ones that followed him oh it was dating. yeah it, I know he was dating half of them but <laughs> you know mm-hmm. they the, the stuck with him he could have gone and made English language films he could have done this and that but his cast sort of stayed with him one way or the other and that really helps as well keep the balance uh, and why do you think that's the case why did these sort of great actors stay with him I guess the easy answer to that mm. is he had you know a few different romantic relationships with, you know, some of these actresses. Um, And so there was definitely a very personal connection, you know, that he had with, you know, say B.B. Anderson and Harriet Anderson and Lee Volman. You know, those are three that are routinely in his films. And, uh, and he at various times had romantic relationships with all three of them. (laughs) So that's, I guess, sort of the easy answer off the top. But I mean, what I, from what I've read, as a director, he was just so great with his acting talent. I mean, he, he was just so um, willing to to let them, you know, have their ideas about character, just sort of be very collaborative. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's exactly the type of person you want to work with, right? So he kind of drew people to him. And once you've gotten that relationship, you really don't want to, you, you don't want to lose that. You just want to keep working together. Yeah, it, it's very clear that he just built, strong relationships with that group of actors and i think bianca the the post you did on was it the was it the kubrick letter where he mentioned Mm. that he liked seeing you know the the troop of actors that kept coming back and back um so obviously when kubrick's noticing that that seems like you're doing something right yeah yeah it's it's interesting because you're saying about the kubrick letter Uh, so many great um great directors and Maya Bergman he's had such an influence on on cinema that it's hard to imagine a a world without him really yeah and just trying to think you know he went 
his films obviously came at a time where so much of European cinema was uh, fl- fl- flourishing. Mm. Sorry. Don Quixote. European cinema was flourishing, so yeah. that's a great time to to sort of be going to the cinema and witnessing all these different films. You know, not just from yeah. from Bergman, but. You know, um, the French New Wave, Italian Neorealism, uh, the British kitchen sink drama, Polish cinema, yeah. and, and, and so, yeah, and so on. It, I've seen interviews with Martin Scorsese, for instance, where he said, you know, you, if you grew up in that time frame, you know, and you're, you're going to movies in the 50s, you just, you can't, there's no way you could not be influenced by Bergman, whether you knew it. You know, or whether it was just um, subconscious, where just because you watched his films, he affected you. Scorsese was like, he just, he affected all of us in that time frame. We don't, we rarely discuss the history of cinema in that sort of scale. We, we just see the, the end product and then we don't go really deconstruct a film and see what, how this scene is sort of a reference to, you know, what occurred in a film 50 years ago it, it mm-hmm. seems almost that we've lost that sort of ability to talk about about film to study film and i don't know whether anyone else agrees with me at all yeah because you almost wish you could sometimes you wish you could go back and, yeah. and be in the early 60s for me go back to the early 60s and late 50s and be a young i don't know well, i don't care how old i am but be a cinema goer then you know, because you've got all the social stuff around you, what's happened in the world, you've got no internet, you've got none of that. You've just got the world you live in, and that's, you know, same with the 70s. Yeah. You know, what was it like to go and see Jaws in the middle of the 70s where all the films were, like, quite heavy and political and great, and you go mm. and see Jaws? It, it sort of feels like that was a time frame where the language of the medium as an art form was still being built, right? I feel like we're at a yeah. point now where a lot of it has been, you know fleshed out and it's been built and now we're just trying to find new ways to take that but we're all it's all the filmmakers today are are basically using the language that was already you know built by people like Bergman you know by the French New Wave by all all these uh, kind of iconic directors from that time frame so yeah it it seems like it would have been a very exciting time for just all this new stuff to be flourishing. I'm very afraid of the most of things that exists in, in, in this world, and especially I was very afraid of death. I wrote this uh, Seventh Seal, and uh, the Seventh Seal is about death the whole time. Mm-hmm. Death is uh, present the whole time in this picture, and everybody in this picture reacts differently to death. Of course, I still think very much about this death, and so. But after that picture. It's not an obsession anymore. What really are the sort of recurring themes? I suppose, Aaron, you're probably the best one to ask. I feel like I still have so many of his films to, to watch. For me, it's, uh, it's the, 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 he wrestles with faith a lot. You know, my, my faith um, in religion is very important to me. And his fa- you know, Bergman's father was a priest. And I think from a young age, he... He was a person that really thought hard and long about religion, about faith. You know, he wrestled with very crippling doubt, you know, about who God is and how do we relate to God. What, what, you know, what are you supposed to do with the fact that God is silent? Uh, that's a very important theme in Bergman's movies. I mean, 
Um, you know, Seventh Seal, Winter Light. Winter Light was a very hard movie to watch for me because mm-hmm. that was just sort of Bergman going all in on the doubt and the darkness. And and uh, it's now I watch it and I think it's very beautiful. And, and there are things that I can find in it that uh, are moving emotionally. But I remember the first time I watched it, I was just like, whoa, that's a, that's a dark movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, interestingly yeah. enough, called Winter Light. Right. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's it's the it's the focus on faith and doubt and wrestling with those issues. Um, you know, you, you may not find it in every Bergman film, but I think it's it's a through line that you can find in most of them. Yeah, I think there's a, a period um, in the late um, uh, 50s and, and mm. early 60s where he really goes to tackle that in so many films you know um you just mentioned uh god's silence and the first film that sprung to mind when you said silence was the silence the silence yeah which i i really enjoyed and, and really doesn't have very much going in terms of plot but then you realize actually there's so much going on around the world that that you know the, the, this uh, these sisters are traveling in the town where there's war erupting. All the the guests in the in the hotel, the porter and the the sisters, and uh, you know, and they're sort of battling for well against death, really. And it, it's it's a film that on face value doesn't seem to be dealing with faith or or God. But when you sort of deconstruct it, you see there is a lot. It's, that's what I love about Bergman is that you think it's something um, when going into it. But by the time you've watched it, it's something completely different that you didn't expect. There's so much on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I completely and, agree. And you can watch multiple viewings of the films and get an, another interpretation every time. Like... Mm-hmm. Persona uh, is a brilliant one to. Oh, I still, yeah. You know, I'm I'm still sort of scratching my head. It's like falling into a rabbit, you know, a rabbit hole. Like I just need to know what what it's about. <laughs> I don't yeah. Think I, I will <laughs> never. You know, I don't think I will ever know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's I've a, seen that movie a few times now, and every time it's like. There's something new that comes out. There's some mm. some new. It's a. I find it to be a very emotional film, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people talk about its technical importance and all the you know the impact it had on on um, you know directors that came afterwards and mm. and the medium as a whole. But I find it to be maybe even more impactful. Just I'm only thinking about. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I often feel like you know sometimes I'm almost two different people. You mm-hmm. know, at times I'm, I have very different. Uh, you know, I might my personality might be one way in this situation, and then another day I'm feeling completely different. It's like, how do you kind of rationalize that? What do you do about that? And to me, that's what that movie is about, you know, all the way through. And it's a very emotional experience, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it, actually. Uh, I think as well, Bergman has a way of dealing with, you know, you were saying, theme of identity and yeah. crisis of identity. And, you know... It seems that are heavy going, but I don't find his films that heavy to to watch. I mean, I don't know. I find them quite rewarding to watch. It's almost yeah. like sitting down and reading yeah. a good book. Yeah, I mean, I think the faith one's interesting, but I think the, for the films I like, it's maybe not so much religion, or at least not spoken. It's faith in themselves 
and also which which impacts like there's a few films like mental illness obviously but also like relationships dysfunctional relationships where you watch it and think you know she should not be with him and that he should not treat her like that and then you go back a little bit and you've got Autumn Sonata again which is um, Ingrid Bergman plays the woman's mother and th- that relationship there's no faith left in that but they're trying in the in the wrong way and it kind of reminds me when you see your parents fight with a, a sibling perhaps or, or or yourself so it's almost like you see the faith in them and then you you almost like point at yourself so it's almost like Bergman's just sort of telling you or you can, it's really weird so something like Persona you know just technically like Aaron said you know through a glass darkly you know I'm going to mention the same films she, she struggles in that when you what the more you watch it when you first see it, you remember the, the her breakdown at the end but the more you watch it the more you pay attention at the beginning how happy yes. she, how happy she is or so you think you know and I think right. she's, I think she is trying you know and a family are kind of the three of them together that I think the mean well individual but when they get together they're like gossiping but yeah so that's the, that, that faith of humanity in yourself and those relationships family I think is so strong you know even in his, his funnier films like Fanny and Alexander smiles of a summer night which is yeah really it's... funny yeah. Also, very much the same themes, you know, and it's almost like, oh, he's, he's making me laugh now. But, you know, he did that once in a while. Well, yeah, there was t- even in his serious films, there are touches of, of comedy there. Yeah. You know, it's quite interesting, like, even with Persona, some of the dialogue I found funny. <laughs> you know, the one scene where they're listening to the soap opera on the radio in the hospital. I can't quite remember the line, but it, it, it's something about, oh, you know, when they switch it off and it's like, you know, oh, enough of that or something. It's just yeah, way for dialogue seems very much natural, everyday type of dialogue, even though so it's dealing with some profound discussions. Yeah. Like there's, room for, there's room for wit in the middle of an argument or, you know, you can make a joke at the end of a traumatic experience or, you know, it just you, that's what happens. You can't cut all the funny stuff out of life, you know. You do say funny. Sometimes it's a defence mechanism, sometimes it's appropriate, you know. I, I think so that has to do with his actors, you know. He obviously mm. knew the, the ones that worked for him and, uh, and he you know, could work with them professionally. Maybe because he did have relationships with, the, you know, those those women, he knew exactly what worked for them and how they spoke. So when he was writing, he, he wrote the dialogue in mind of how they spoke just naturally, which is, yeah. is quite... Robin, you, you mentioned Through uh, a Glass Darkly. Harriet Anderson's performance in that is is amazing. This one might be my favourite performance. It might be my favourite Bergman film as well. She reminds me of, uh, like, she's almost like Vivian Lee, um, Ingrid Bergman, you know, the way they were yeah. kind of timid but explosive at the same time. And when I watched uh, Someone with Monica, which was quite recent, it's funny to see her younger. And she doesn't look that much younger, actually, to be honest with you, even though it's, like, nearly ten years earlier. Um, to watch her in that, that, that was apparently a breakthrough, how good she was, and it's, it made me just want to watch every film she'd ever done. Yeah, Through a Glass Darkly, I think, the more I watch it, like I said, the better it gets, and the sadder, yeah. the sadder I get, I think, because I know, but there's comfort in that sadness as well, which is a really weird kind of paradox, you know, the comfort of sadness, which not a lot, not a lot of people can get right, 
now, not even today. What I was going to mention as well, just quickly, his influences. I was thinking, watching Someone with Monica, how that film become it's a romance. At the beginning, it's like any romance, where at the beginning, it's, it's brilliant. It's, oh, I wonder what's going to be like. I really like this person. Flirting. Yeah. And this has all that in it. And then and then as soon as they get out, I won't spill it, but as soon as they get together, and you get married, and they make, people make jokes dirty about, oh, once you get married, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of does, it, it kind of does show that, you know, and life becomes hard, and that two people getting each other's way and I thought of Revolutionary Road and I thought mm, how that depicts yes, two, yeah. a really bad relationship I can't think of a film that does it better in the last sort of 10 years I wonder if Mendes was influenced by Bergman mm. so it's a long yeah. shot but that's the film I thought of when I watched someone with Monica so I mean there must be something in that that's like 2008. Well, you, you were saying about relationships, and I thought of another summer-related film, um, some, Summer Interlude, <laughs> which I just watched, yeah. uh, which I don't know, have you, either one of you seen that? That's one that I haven't seen. No. I, I haven't seen it either, no. Oh, okay. I really like that. I think that that's one of his earlier pieces, and mm-hmm. that really sort of dealt with a relationship, you know, young love, they sort of, uh, a, a sort of aspiring ballerina goes to a holiday home, and she meets a guy, tra- you know, when she's traveling back, and at first, he, they kind of have a bickering, and how it usually is, you know, sort of quirping, and, and, and you know, making cheap jokes but then their relationship develops and then um i don't really want to spoil the film but she sort of her end scene is 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 amazing but i what i liked about was i i didn't really think it was going to his bergman's earlier pieces you can see the sort of the beginnings there as how he's you know he's finding his way it's very interesting to watch you know because he's got such a, a long span of uh, filmmaking you know I, I don't really know if there's anyone out there in terms of directors that you can sort of see that as well you know with that much volume of work can you think that they work with us now? they're in the big cellar they're in the big cellar they're in the big cellar we've done Alla de andra. Du, kom ihåg när Nobel är väl igår. Den laglösa älska. I could not believe my eyes. I mean, I just could not believe. I mean, you know, just like when I saw Monica, it just, to me, it was, I mean, Harriet Anderson was the most incredible thing I had seen on the screen. Well, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the, the love you know, the relationships that you see in his films, because to me that's another theme. We were talking about themes in Bergman movies, mm-hmm. and maybe that's one that people don't associate with Bergman right away as much as some of these other, you know, death and, and doubt and faith and, and all all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, so many of his films deal with romantic relationships, and love is such a huge theme. I mean, to me that maybe is what makes his films more accessible than a lot of people think. And, yeah, maybe why you would want to try out a film like Wild Strawberries or even Smiles of a Summer Night some of these earlier movies that are more, you know, maybe a little more lighthearted, uh, but still have some of those heavier themes. Um, I, I, again, I said it before, but I find so many of his films to be so emotional because he does try to find the love and, and, and the light even within the darkness. The winner is Sweden for Fanny and Alexander. I think I have my top five if you want me to go first, but yeah. it's so hard. Um, <laughs> so my, 
my five will be wild strawberries, which I know we talked about before. Um, it's like how you wouldn't think one director can have, you know, four movies better than wild strawberries, but Bergman <laughs> just has so many great yeah. films. Um, yeah. I, I love wild strawberries, uh, but it, it maybe didn't, uh, didn't hit me emotionally as much as some of the other ones. You know, it's obviously, um, very much about aging and not that I, I'm starting to feel the signs of age. I just turned 26, uh, four would be cries and whispers. And we were just talking about that film, how incredible it is. Um, yeah, just the, the pain and, and, and the, you know, the love between these sisters and how that kind of mm. is in conflict, uh, just again, the cinematography and set design, like we talked about earlier, absolutely amazing. Uh, three would be persona mm. for me. Um, I mean, what do you even say about, uh, I mean, I, you know, we, we've said a lot of it already, but, you know, Bianca, like you said before, that you can watch it a million times and it's still, uh, there's new things you find in it and there's new, new, new ways to kind of come to it and get impacted by it. Um, and I think it's got one of the most influential films, mm. you know, ever that you can point to. I mean, it mm. just, you, you can see, you know, this, it, it kind of was one of those early films to start this idea of, you know, movies are one step removed from reality, right? It, it mm-hmm. kind of showcased the fact that, you know, this film, it's, it's uh, you know, it's an artist's creation. It's on a physical, it's on physical film, and it's it's not reality, right? And he shows that by the film breaking apart, you know, partway through, and then doing that again later on. Uh, just genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two would be Seventh Seal, uh, first Bergman film I ever saw, and I think it really is... Uh, maybe the best example of, of his themes and um you know it's obviously parodied a lot and mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's another one that you can say so much about but i still love that film i've seen it a bunch of times now and, and my love for it doesn't uh doesn't fade at all and then like i said my favorite film through a glass darkly i just uh mm-hmm. anderson's performance the the cinematography you know we haven't i don't know that we've mentioned sven no. nykvist yet no, but no. um he, you know, definitely a great collaborator with Bergman, mm. uh, was his cinematographer for so many movies. And I think maybe, uh, maybe his best work, you know, Cries and Whispers is, is great, like I said before, but it might, his best work might be on Through a Glass Darkly, just the way, yeah. you know, each face is, Roger Ebert talks about this in his review of the film, but each face, it, the lighting is a little bit different on each face, and it kind of shows um, sort of, the gray, you know, this movie is very much dealing with gray areas, yeah. and, and not everything's not black and white, right? Um, and so, even the lighting is speaks to that, and I think that's uh, just amazing that you can you can find meaning in even these technical elements. Um, and so, Harriet Anderson's performance is probably tops on that list. But even mm-hmm. too, then you've got the the subplot of you know the son and his father and those two trying to mm-hmm. communicate, um, and I resonated with that a lot. Um, and it's kind of a smaller part of the film, but then, you know, towards the end, they finally do get that connection, and it's it's just very powerful. And he says, my father spoke to me. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. finish the film. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's sad because the tragedy has connected those, you yeah. know, the father and the son, so it, it's, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um Robin, what about you? I mean, yeah, my, my list is, is very similar. Um, and the more we talk about Bergman, the more I watch him, the more it's likely to change. I'm just going to tell you what I've got now. Oh, the Virgin Spring! Come on! It's a really good way to start, Bergman. It's also a very good representation of 
of who he is and what he can do. And it, obviously it looks like an early film as well, which re- is really authentic. Um, I've gone Summer with Monica's number four, um, oh. which I suppose is a bit of a shocker, but we mentioned the cinematography, and this is another aspect of this film. When I was watching it, the shots of um, the beach, uh, where they go on vacation and they run off together and all the stuff that's in Through the Glass Darkly as well, the film, the emotion on the faces, it's all in there. But the but the landscape shots, which which he did a lot, it, it reminded me of um, La Ventura with the, the Antonioni film, which is one of my favourite films of all time. But the way he just puts the camera down and says, right, have a look at this view. Mm. And it becomes part of the story. And he does that in Summer with Monica. That's my number four. I'm going to go Autumn Sonata number three. Just watch two actresses like that. Uh, watch yeah, this relationship yeah. go back and forth, and you know, it's like you watch the film and halfway through you know everything about. It. It's incredible. It would make an amazing play. Um, mm. and it was a great way for for Ingrid Bergman to, to you know, sort of salute her acting career. Absolutely magnificent. My number two mm. is Persona. Um, I, I think I don't think we've mentioned it yet, <laughs> but you know, again, all the different ways. I mean, even just just talking about it, it's. Like a, a bleak film that you get excited about, you know. It's not often you can say that. So it's like even now, it's like it's, I'm a kid at Christmas and I get to watch it again. And I'm definitely going to watch that film now in the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, even though I know how it's going to make me feel. Or, or do I? I don't know. Um, Through a Glass Darkly is also my number one. My top five is, is kind of difficult because I, I've probably... I'm probably the one here who hasn't seen as many as, as you two. Mm. So far, I would say Hour of the Wolf is number five. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed, and we've not talked about it, but yeah. I found that very interesting. Uh, again, it, it's quite, it's a bit more surreal than, as, as Saints, it's more surreal than his other movies. Is a bit of a, they're all <laughs> surreal in their yeah. own way. <laughs> But that obviously deals with. I like this the use of the island as as a character. The islands, you know, or it, the character in themselves, and they become these places where people are trapped and they have to confront each other. They have to deal with what you know, or they have to confront themselves and 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 face their inner demons. Something that I find fascinating. For I would probably say. Uh, oh. See, it's so hard because they're all great. Uh, they are. They cha- really are. Cha- the order changes as you <laughs> declare it. It's like yeah. oh. it's almost which one have you seen lately, right? Meant, it's like yeah. that's going to be vaulted up to the top. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would probably say Seventh Seal for yeah. number four. Uh, I think we we discussed it quite a bit. So, um, you know, I just found it. I, maybe I was expecting a little bit more, or it wasn't what I was expecting. Actually, it wasn't what I was expecting, <laughs> which, which made it so different, and I'm still processing it. Mm. No, number three would be Persona. Number two, joint. Oh, I'm going to do a joint, okay? Ooh, I'm going to no, do no, Changing the rules on so. <laughs> I can do that. You I can, can do, do that. that, that's true. I'm joint, the joint five. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> joint five. No, I would say it's it's hard because Wells Robbie's has a, a, a soft spot for me yeah. I, because it was the first one I watched and I really got you know like I said it was so accessible and it, it had such an emotional hold on me. It still does. Uh, but then through a glass darkly, like I've, oh 
You know what? I'm going to say Throw Glass Darkly number one, Wild Strawberries number two. Look at that. Also the same number one. That's great. Yeah. Uh, just listening to you to discuss it, I, I, yeah. I can't really. I love, as much as I love Wild Strawberries, it's, it's got to be because of Harriet's performance. Well, the, yeah. the, 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 the actors are good in it as well, though. We can't forget them because, you know, Bjorn Strand's really good in it. Yeah. Um, Max then Maglan Sido. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's okay, but he's like probably fourth in in the pecking order. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot to do in that. He just kind of has to watch and be, be very passive. And the young kid is obviously is very good as well. Yeah. Cheers is filmed before a live studio audience. Congratulate the doctor. I'm doing a piece on the psychological ramifications of Ingmar Bergman's later works for American film. Oh, that's great, French. Yes, well, I'd like to read it to you to see if it's still accessible to the layman. Now, I call the piece Ingmar Bergman, Poet of the Subconscious. The films of Ingmar Bergman... Well, you can forget her in Casablanca, huh? <laughs> no, no. no you're, you're thinking of Ingrid Bergman. I'm talking about Ingmar Bergman. Ingmar Bergman, the boxer? <laughs> Oh, well, you're, you're thinking Ingmar Johansson. You mean the guy who knocked out Floyd Patterson? No, no, no. Sonny Liston knocked out Patterson. Well, who knocked out Johansson? Patterson. Before Liston. No, Johansson knocked out Liston. Well, who knocked out Patterson? Was it Ingrid Bergman? <laughs> no. Ingrid Bergman. Shut up, shut up! <laughs> Should I discuss Twitter? Because I feel like maybe we're going to have to have some words with people. Yeah. Uh, should, terms... should we discuss Twitter? That's a tough question to answer any day, uh, right? Remember, we're, we're not talking about Bergman. <laughs> yeah, do we, do we have another hour? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I want to quickly say is, Bianca, that you mentioned the Wild Strawberries thing, and it, 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 this isn't really a praise of your writing, because I'll never do that. But I, I really got that freshness when I read it, the Wild Strawberries thing, that, that, yeah. that it came from the heart, and you'd watched it. It's like the first time you wait, like ate something you've never tried before it felt like a wild strawberry yeah <laughs> yeah but you didn't have like an allergic reaction but it was like it, it felt fresh and it was really nice to read that's why i love your diary so much because maybe i should watch one of the ones i've not watched yet and write about it and post yeah. it you know and see what i come up with because sometimes they're the best pieces of writing so you know a silent yeah. round of applause for that Oh, Definitely. You. The diary's been fantastic. Yeah. I certainly want to do it again, not uh, for other directors, you know, that um, uh, ones that I uh, I really should have watched more more of their work because it, it if I commit to it, I know that I'm going to watch it, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. it's a good way for me to be like, yes, this is the evidence that I've watched these films and I'm not just talking out my backside um you know, <laughs> it could become a great series for the site as well like we said yeah. it could be like yeah people come to the site for this like has she watched a new film recently you know <laughs> i watch citizen kane yet <laughs> i've seen citizen kane yeah. <laughs> i've seen citizen kane don't worry yeah. although i didn't watch the godfather recently but that's yeah. you know mm-hmm. you know so i asked twitter and this is yeah i know there's a groan I said, how many Ingmar Bergman films have you seen? Be honest. And the options were not a single one, one to three, five to ten or over ten. Well, 34% of people uh, have only seen one to three Bergman films. That's shocking. That shocks me. And that was the the winner. Uh, Followed by 
Not a single one with 31%, followed by 22% say 5 to 10, and then 13% said over 10 films. I had 298 people um, uh, give their their answer to that so that is that's very a pretty good yeah. you have to know unfriend very good i think, I is think it that's 67 percent a... of them unfriend them <laughs> block them yeah <laughs> but i think i can feel twitter rage, yeah. twitter rage coming on no i i did say be honest you know yeah. and i i you a lot like we say is quite hard it's probably quite hard especially for you know very young film lovers to get into bergman because you begin but um, I did ask a few people what their favourite Bergman film was as well. So some of these are, are quite interesting because there's such a wild, wide variety. So I had uh, Matthew um, Walden say, I saw Cries and Whispers for the first time this year and it destroyed me. I've tried to be a better person ever since. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. That's, that's a great comment for a movie. Gosh. Yeah. Um, at Key Light Blog said Wild Strawberries was the first taste as a team for me and there's always uh, has a place in my heart oh, that's that's how I feel um, and I guess I should say I feel like I kind of shortchanged Wild Strawberries earlier it, obviously it is a lot about aging but there is too you know that idea that it's kind of about your relationships to your, your parents and your grandparents when you're young you know there's a youth in it too so yeah. I feel like I kind of shortchanged it a bit earlier I love the film but mm. uh, yeah there's just so much in it and it's also sort of dealing with the, the idea of lost love as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and regrets. So just so much going on there. It's, you know, it's, 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 there's something there for someone to connect to, no matter what. Yeah. So Film Frost says, I ha- haven't seen many, but uh, I have seen Fanny and Alexander a couple of times, both the long and the short. It's pretty darn great, the longer being superior, I think. Um, Cinemass said that um, I'm going to put forward shame. I read the contrast in, uh, in Max von so, um, Max von Sydow. Anyway, I really enjoyed the contrast in Max von Sydow's character slash performance in comparison to the other collaborations between the two. I haven't seen Shame, but that's one that I really want to watch. We also had uh, Ross Miller say. Uh, the Seventh Seal, as cliched as that is, but Shame was mighty powerful. So Shame is definitely one that I need to check out. And and Chris Watts said, I'm a Wild Strawberries fan. It has simplicity to sh- how it's shot and how it tells its story that makes it far more elegant experience than many of his other more complicated pictures. Huh. It's probably the one that I've watched the most. Nice. So. Yeah, that's interesting. We've had some loads and loads more comments, and and I did ask people why they hadn't watched Bergman films as well, uh, and some didn't answer me, but some did, and and they were honest and said they just can't. They've tried, they can't connect to it, can't get into it. You know, they they don't know how to start. So, I certainly would recommend people checking out our site and and, and having a look because. You know, reading from our sort of thoughts and opinions, it, it might change people's minds. At least I hope so. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I hope, hope so. so. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> There's something for everybody there, you know, even if you, you like romantic comedies or whatever, but there is something mm-hmm. 
for everybody here. If you, you don't even need to look very hard, to be honest. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting, you know, listening to those, you know, the tweets and then just this conversation we've been having. I feel like Bergman's almost a director where there's no holes in, in his skill set, right? Like, we've talked mm-hmm. about his ability to write dialogue. We've talked about, you know, the, the, the shots in his movies, his ability to put them together. We've talked about the, the themes. I mean, the, the different genres that he tried out. I mean, mm-hmm. some directors, you might say, oh, yeah, they have this eye you know, for, for camera work or they have an ear for dialogue or, you know, they're really good in this part, but yeah, they're not as great in that. There's no holes. I mean, where there's nothing in, in his films that you would say he doesn't do well. There's a collaborator as well with, with yeah, cinematographers, yeah. actors, actresses, etc. Yeah, and I, I felt, I feel as well that his films all seem very personal in some oh, ways. yes. Definitely. That's a great point. Uh, yeah, considering that you know, I don't. There's probably a lot of directors who don't really, you know. Re, I mean, he wrote most of what he yeah. uh, he directed, and I think there's yep. probably quite a lot of directors nowadays that that don't really have that personal connection to the film. And maybe I often can see that. I can tell when when watching a movie. I, Winter Light is one I think of where you watch that film. It feels very earnest. You know, it's like it feels like somebody and I've gone through pieces of like this in my life where it feels like you're wrestling with things that are very important to you, like foundational aspects of, you know, your your view of yourself and your worldview. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it feels very earnest and very, um, yeah, very personal, exactly like you put it. And you can you can see that in the visuals. But I I feel it when I watch his films. Wow. Amazing. I'm a. I'm a Bergman, for, Bergman fan for life now. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Aaron, for joining us. Thank because like, obviously, yeah, of, of all the people, you've, you've, you've come to the site and you've written some really good stuff. I was, I'm, I've mm, said thanks. to Bianca and, and Steve how impressed I am. And I'm sure I've shown that to you, you know, through email thank or whatever. But yeah. we had to kind of have you on this. So it's really good that timing meant you could join us because the podcast yeah. just wouldn't be as good. So thank you. Thank you so much. No. Yeah, yeah, I've, thank I've, you. Thank you so much. It's been great. I'm glad this worked out. This was the podcast. Yeah, when I, when I heard you guys were going to be doing this, I was like, oh, I've got it. I, if I can be on the Bergman podcast, that'd be awesome. So thanks for having me a part of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over. Det är så ont med liten makt mot höga berg att springa. Det strömmar, det rinnas och fröjdeligt allt under det gröna lider i vårens tid.